Oregon football gets a commitment from four-star wideout Ajurion Dickey. We're breaking it down today. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Like and subscribe wherever you are listening to and or watching the show. Always appreciate that. The numbers keep going up, and I appreciate each and every one of you who have hit that subscribe button. Wherever you're listening to or watching the show right now, either one, I see them equally. It is all good. You know what else is good? That Dan Landing and the staff clearly know how to recruit. I mentioned yesterday on the show when I was recording in Arizona, recording this one for those of you watching on YouTube from my brother's apartment in Anaheim, California, where I'll be doing most of the shows this week. That is some artwork of uh, The Force Awakens behind me from a cool scene in what is otherwise a pretty bad movie. So Jurion Dickey commits to the Ducks. See, I'm not going to go on a Star Wars tangent because that, 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 that just that I could get sidetracked very easily. And I'd rather talk about Jurion Dickey. And I know you would rather hear me talk about him than Star Wars, though I would love to talk about Star Wars. Anyway, the 2023 four-star wide receiver from Valley Christian High School playing in the WCAL League that back in the day when I was in college at Santa Clara University, I broadcasted for. So this is kind of a cool thing for me because I saw him as a freshman and he's a junior right now, you know, finishing up the school year and he's still got one more year because he's class of 2023. He's not reclassifying like Kyler Casper did, who was class of 2023 and is now class of 2022. Will be on campus this fall for the Ducks, Stan Lanning and company. But Dickey's got a 94.25 composite rating on 24-7 sports, which is pretty darn good, comparable to what Jalil Florence had as a defensive back coming out of there. We saw how he looked in the spring game. He looked like he belonged right away. And when you watch Jurion Dickey and, and you watch the highlights, he, he's a great route runner. And I think that he he's made a concentrated effort over the years to be identified as that because the way that he comes in and out of his breaks is really, really sharp in a way that you don't typically see from high school kids because when you're coming from the high school ranks, you can awfully often be when you're going to a power five school to play college football, you're a better athlete so much so that you can be a little bit sloppy with your fundamentals sometimes and the basics of a sport because your athleticism is just going to take over. But Dickey doesn't rest on his laurels like that. When you watch his film, he comes out of cuts really hard, and I like that about him because route running is an underrated part uh, of being a wide receiver. It's not flashy. We don't see it as often because a lot of routes are run down the field. Occasionally, if you see a great one, you, you get a replay of it watching a television broadcast, but it's not particularly the most eye-popping thing when it comes to you know, fans getting excited about a wide receiver. But I like that about Dickey that he's on there or that he has on, on, his, on his highlight reel. The other thing is he loves the 50-50 ball, particularly in the red zone. This is something that he's done a lot in high school. He can beat you over the top. He was a freshman catching long touchdowns on, on varsity. He actually caught a Hail Mary at halftime when he was a, a true freshman. I always say true freshman, even though it's high school. Anyway, we all make that mistake. 
He was a freshman playing on varsity, caught a Hail Mary in the end zone against St. Francis back in, what was that, 2006? No, 2019, sometime around there. And, you know, back then I knew, oh, this guy could probably be pretty good if he's, you know, making these sorts of plays. Lo and behold, here we are uh, all of these years later. But he loves the 50-50 ball, and he loves it in the red zone. And Oregon over the years hasn't had a lot of wide receivers, I would say, who are prolific 50-50 ball catchers down close to the goal line. I mean, Devin Williams, we could have done it more, but didn't because last few years, we didn't really get to get the ball to wide receivers all that often anyway. And, you know, the, the guys that Oregon has right now, I don't think they really have a guy like that. Dante Thornton, maybe. But so far, he's shown himself to be a home run threat, first and foremost, rather than somebody who throw a 50-50 ball to in the red zone. Troy Franklin, the same the same thing. So, And Franklin, I think, best is, is best working the interme- intermediary routes. He can go down the field. So can Chris Hudson. But I think those two are at their strongest running uh, you know, a, a dig, a deep post, a, a crossing route, you know, stuff like that. I think that's when those two are at their best and Thornton going over the top. But, you know, Devin Williams, I don't think we utilized him in the red zone the way that we could have. Jawan Johnson, we saw that a couple times with Herbert where they threw a fade, like down at USC 2019, the Coliseum. They threw those sorts of balls and you just watched it and went, boy, when was the last time Oregon threw that sort of pass to a wide receiver? And as a Seahawks fan, I get pretty triggered in the red zone talking about the the idea of an inside slant. Not a big fan of it, but a one-on-one fade to the outside, I'm here for it. And Jerry Dickey at 6'2", 205 pounds, he's got the body and the frame to, to be able to go up and make those contested catches. And it's something that he's very good at. He's got great timing, great ball skills, good hands as well. So I'll be interested to see when he does get to campus and starts to play next year, whether or not that that's something Oregon starts to you know do more as as a team because we just we haven't seen it right. And if you've been with me for a while, first of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love that you choose to spend your time here here with me talking ducks. And if you ever want a question answered here on the show at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks or the Twitter handles, you can also tweet with the hashtag ask LOD pod join in on the conversation. But if you've been with me for a while, you know, my favorite wide receiver in Oregon football history, war number 23 back in the day, his name was Jeff Mayo. He was a great route runner. He had good hands. He had probably the best hands in the conference. I, I think to this day, he was a great blocker as, t- as well. He had great awareness. There were just so many things that that he did well. But even guys like that, we weren't throwing a fade route in the corner of the end zone and say, okay, go up and make a play. But that's the sort of player that Jerion Dickey clearly wants to be. He chose Oregon over Washington, USC, UCLA, and Penn State. There is something that those schools have in common that make this a significant get for the Ducks that I'm pretty excited about. I'll tell you what that is right after this. If you're watching on YouTube, that was just for people on podcasts. So you, you get to skip all that sort of stuff today. That's the way it works. But the, the big thing for Oregon getting jury on Dickey is Washington, USC, UCLA, Penn State. What do all those schools have that Oregon does not have that would lead you to believe, at least in theory, 
perhaps Oregon would be at a disadvantage for one of the top wide receiver recruits in the state of California who's got a tremendous explosive capability. They've got offensive head coaches. You've got Chip Kelly at UCLA. You've got Lincoln Riley at USC. You've got Kalen DeBoer now up at Washington. You've got James Franklin at Penn State. Now, I talked to John Garcia, the recruiting director for Sports Illustrated, about Jerry Dickey. He said Penn State seems more like a long shot. Oregon was supposed to get this guy, and it's good that they did, not just because you know it looked like we were supposed to and it can feel like you're losing momentum on the recruiting trail if you're supposed to get a guy, but then you end up not getting a guy. To have him commit to the Ducks over all of those offensively-minded head coaches says a lot about the staff that Dan Lanning has assembled. And his primary recruiter, none other than Junior Adams, who deserves a lot of credit here because that's the number one guy. You know, I mean, it's not that Dan Lanning and Kenny Dillingham didn't chip in. I'm sure they did to get the job done and land the commitment from Jurion Dickey. But Junior Adams here has now picked up a couple of wins. And Carlos Lachlan has added a couple guys in the portal. And Adrian Clem helped get in Josh Connerly. Like, we heard a lot about this staff's recruiting potential, and now we're starting to see it come to fruition. Remember, they haven't had a full cycle to, to recruit guys yet. The class of 2023 is going to be our first full taste, and there are now three commits in the class of 2023. Defensive lineman from, from Utah, and then Cole Martin, who's Demetrius Martin's son, but also a highly rated four-star corner from the state of Arizona, and now Jerrion Dickey from California. And it's also good to see Oregon continuing to recruit the state of California because that is a, a hotbed for, for prospects. And with USC and now definitely being a contender in the Pac-12 with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and the like, and all the, the transfers that they're adding down there in Los Angeles, it's going to be even more important that Oregon recruits well in that state, and the battles are going to be more competitive, and it looked like Connerly was going to go to USC. He came to Oregon instead. Jaleel Florence could have gone either way. He came to Oregon. Jerry Dickey had USC in the mix, comes to Oregon instead. So I think that says a lot about the, the strength of the Oregon football program and the brand of Oregon football on the recruiting trail right now. And I, I think that that's a really, really encouraging sign for, for the Duck fans and Dan Lanning and the staff. The other note about, about Jurion Dickey I wanted to mention. He does track and field, and he plays basketball in high school for Valley Christian. And so... I, I saw this when I was looking him up. It is full profile, whatnot, and I thought, wasn't there another? Wasn't there another three sport guy? Now he's not expected to do three sports by the time he gets to college, like the guy I'm thinking of. And I'm sure some of you are putting the pieces together here. He's a broadcaster for the Pac-12 Network. Was very briefly the voice of the Portland Trailblazers as well on the TV side. And, you know, I just got some flashbacks to Jordan Kent because Jordan Kent ran track at Oregon, was on the basketball team, also played wide receiver and was a big time home run threat. Now, he was best at track and field, but he was more than capable at the other two. Guy was one heck of an athlete. And Jurion Dickey runs a verified 458 40-yard dash. And just for reference, Mariota, I believe, ran somewhere in like the 452 range. So he's got that kind of speed. And that's something that I, I think, you know, from a statistical standpoint, he can actually improve upon once he gets to college and, you know, uh, gets in the college weight room and, and you know, coaches. There is an, an art to learning how to run, but 
he probably has that part down since he does track and field and plays basketball as well. But uh, he, he's got good speed, can beat you over the top, but I'll be interested to see what sort of player he becomes down in the red zone for, for the Ducks. So this is, uh, again, the third recruit that has committed in the class of 2023. You can look them all up at 24-7, two four-stars and, and a three-star. And, and the other thing about Dickey committing to Oregon right now is Casper was going to be class of 2023, Kyler Casper. He reclassifies to class of 2022. Dickey is staying in the class of 2023. But both are wide receivers committing pretty early in the process. Despite Oregon not having a top quarterback commit this year or in next year's class, right? So Bo Nix is brought in as a transfer, but Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield, they stay on the team from a season ago. And there's no hard commit right now or even a verbal commit from a quarterback in the class of 2023. So that, again, is, I, I think, really encouraging in terms of the potential to bring in high-level offensive players from uh, these assistant coaches, from guys like Carlos Lachlan, the running backs coach, or uh, Junior Adams, the wide receiver coach, who gets a lot of the credit here. Usually how it works, and, you know, it's it's not uniform across college football. There's variations, of course, but typically you think of a recruiting class as Tennessee has done with Nico Iamaleava, you get the big-time quarterback first, and then other guys want to go play with him. Oregon is getting these prospects uh, on the perimeter without a big-time quarterback, and I think that's a really encouraging sign. And uh, just a quick little recruiting update here. Uh, Jaden Rashada, the Ducks are still pursuing him really hard. Five-star quarterback out of the Pittsburgh, California area. And, you know, a few weeks ago on the show, I said between him and Dante Moore, I thought Oregon would go after both because they had offered both, but it seemed like Rashada would be the more likely option because he's from California and the Ducks have had more success recruiting there than they have in, say, the state of Michigan or in the Midwest. just easier because of the geographical proximity there. Dante Moore is suddenly starting to gain some steam when it comes to his, his recruitment with the Ducks. He said that Oregon, quote, blew his mind on his official visit there. So both those guys are squarely in the mix to be a top signal caller in the class of 2023 for, for the ducks and, and Dan Lanning and this entire staff. So that that's, that's another thing to follow. And uh, speaking of the new staff, jury uh, on Dickey had a, an interesting comment that I want to share with you right now here on the show that I don't think you see very often from recruits. Here's what he said, quote, I wasn't really looking at Oregon with the old staff there, but that quickly changed. The new staff makes it where kids want to work and perform at another level. It is a different atmosphere at Oregon now. Think about that quote. I don't think the praiseworthy nature in which he talked about the current staff is unusual, but the way that he differentiated from the previous staff Listen to the quote again. The new staff makes it where kids want to work and perform at another level. It is a different atmosphere at Oregon now. I said a while ago on the show when I did a, a full breakdown on Cristobal leaving, my full thoughts there that I wasn't going to bring him up extensively. I'm going to stick to my guns on that. I will just note that it is interesting that he decided to bring up the previous staff when he definitely did not have to. 
He could have said, I wasn't really looking at the previous staff, but that, or I wasn't looking at Oregon with the previous staff, but you know, this, this administration really decided to, you know, advance my recruitment and come at me harder. And so I went there, but he he made kind of a subtle jab in there, which I, I thought was fascinating. And, it is not something that that you see very often. So, just just a just, just something to, just something to note in there that uh, that I thought Duck fans might find uh, to be worthy uh, of interest. Um, this is a guy that you know Dan Lanning and company clearly made a priority. They went out and got him, and I, I think it's a really good sign. Uh, once again, on the recruiting trail and the potential that this staff has, that they set their sights on a kid who was not you know, really thinking about Oregon or so he says. And then all of a sudden they're able to change his mind about, you know, how he views the school and then bring him into the top few. And then they were the favorites. And now he ends up committing. That's a really encouraging trend. I'm glad that, that that's how this is all played out. So nothing but good stuff there as it relates to, to jury on Dickey and the Ducks. And another Duck is returning for Oregon basketball and Dana Altman. I'll tell you who. After I talk to you about Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Go Mariners. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. I had to plug the Mariners there. I just, I, I, I'm always going to with that particular live read. I'm a Pacific Northwest kid through and through everybody, as you probably know. And I have been a diehard Mariners fan for as long as I have been actually probably a touch longer than I've been an Oregon Ducks fan, which is to say my entire conscious life. I've been a Ducks fan and I have been in Mariners clothes since uh, basically since I was born. So the, the Mariners and I go, go way, way back. And one day they'll make the playoffs one day. And Folly Dante is coming back for Oregon basketball. And I am a huge fan of this move after Kepnong left. And unfortunately went to Washington. I would have picked a number of other PAC 12 schools for him to go to other than Washington, just as an Oregon fan, right from that, perspective i think he'll have the opportunity to play a decent amount and be a contributor on what could be a solid team depending on how a couple things go for him up there for mike hopkins and company but you know and folly dante this past year started 27 to 32 games averaged just over eight points six boards and one block per contest he increased his scoring and his rebounding from a season ago and he's done that each of the last two years his development has been a really encouraging sign. And that's the hallmark of a good basketball coach. No one does it better across the country than Gonzaga. They are the masters with Mark few as their head coach of having guys come in as a freshman average one to two points a year, not really play. And then next year they pop and they're all conference performers. And we're seeing them contribute on a March madness caliber team that is always going to get to the sweet 16. At least they have, I believe seven years in a row. If memory serves with a couple national championship appearances as well. And Folly Dante was a really nice player a season ago. Also shot a pac 12 best 67 and percent from the field 
because he's got a lot of dunks. He's not shooting jumpers. Everything he does is right at the rim. He's not a big-time scorer, but he is a big-time body in the paint. And when it, when it comes to shot blocking and rebounding, there were stretches this year where I felt like Enfali Dante had to be on the court for Oregon basketball. That Arizona game, it was definitely a Dante game. You know, there were nights where it was a little bit more Kepnong. There were nights where it was a little bit more Dante. Definitely more of the latter where, where Enfali was the lead center and he was uh, the starter for a reason and he was contributing the most on uh, a night in night out basis. But there were games and, and stretches during the course of games where it looked like Frank just kind of had the hot hand, a little bit like running backs in football. Like, eh, you know, CJ Verdell was uh, the one going into last year, but there were stretches where it was kind of, you know, when both were healthy anyway, where, where Travis Dye looked like he was just running better, just had the hot hand, was in rhythm with the game, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, and, and Folly did so many good things last year. His offensive game continued to develop in, in a way that, that I think was really encouraging. And look, he doesn't shoot jumpers. But we don't need him to. He did hit a 15-footer against Arizona. Maybe it was an 18-footer. I don't remember exactly. But that's the only time I've ever seen him knock down a jump shot. I think he's only ever attempted two or three that, I, that I've that i seen. There, there, I'm sure there have been more. But that's not what he's known for. But that's not what we need him to do. I, I think in the age of skill and shooting the basketball, you know, in the college or pro game, I think you can get by with one non-fluter non-shooter on the floor not a non-fluter on the shore but a non-shooter on the floor you can get by with one and be fine you, you can't really do two that's why Kepnong and Dante never played together and I, I don't think that that's something that Oregon would have been able to succeed with offensively would have been a heck of a defensive unit but points would have been pretty tough to come by if Enfali Dante this year can come back and, and continue to develop his offensive game like his post moves which i think we saw a lot more of this year than, than a season ago then he can take another step in his production and if he continues to increase his rebounding and block shots as he has each of the last two years he has the potential to become an all-conference caliber performer now oregon doesn't need him to take some big massive leap they need him to score from time to time finish dunks at the rim provide energy block shots and be a vacuum cleaner on the rebounds. That's what he's there to do. And he does that as well as any big man in the pac 12, I would say. And, you know, if his post moves take another development, I think that's a huge boon for the ducks. And he could average in the neighborhood of, I think, you know, 10 points, seven, seven and a half boards, one and a half blocks a game, even with Kellel Ware coming in. Cause right now, as it stands, Oregon's front court for next year, you know, you have Quincy Garrier, who's a hybrid three, four. I think he's best as the three at six foot eight. You've got Quincy Garrier, you've got Keyshawn Bartholomew in the backcourt, but the frontcourt right now looks like Enfali Dante, Nate Biddle, and then the five-star freshman who everyone has high expectations for, and I'm uh, totally understanding uh, of why that's the case. Kella Ware, I've talked about him here on the show. Like and subscribe, which is why you, if you do that, you can keep up with uh, with all these sorts of guys because I'm talking about them all the time. I've done a full breakdown of Kella Ware. You can go back and listen. Or, or watch here on YouTube, but I think Ware is going to have some moments where he will play a small ball five, but he, he's not a particularly big body in terms of, you know, he, he's not very thick. He's pretty thin, you know, kind of kind of like Chet Holmgren, but not quite as tall, but not quite as thin either. And I think Dante and Ware can play on the court together because Ware can stretch the floor and be a stretch for. The other guy that you have in the front court there is Nate Biddle, who 
played a little bit more at the end of the year. He can stretch the floor as well. Uh, I think you could play you could play Biddle and Ware together if you wanted to, and have Ware at the five, Biddle at the four. But I, I love Enfali Dante as a five. It's been kind of a staple of, of of Dane Altman's defenses to have a big man roaming the paint who you know rebounds a lot and also blocks a lot of shots. And so I, I think that it's a really good thing to have him back, not just for experience and, and his continued development, which he's you know shown capable of doing. I think it would have been a big mistake if he had decided to go to the NBA, but I, I'm glad he did not, both for his long-term interest and also Oregon this year, because now we know, assuming he can stay healthy, that's the biggest question mark, of course. Always, always, he has to stay healthy. But if he can do that, Oregon is going to be set in, in the paint with a rebounder, a shot blocker, and they just need to have some complimentary pieces around him. And we're still waiting on Will Richardson. I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard anything as I record this on Monday night. And we're moving in the wee hours of one, Monday morning, or Tuesday morning as I, as I record this, actually. But that's okay. We haven't heard anything, but I'll keep you posted, which is why you should like and subscribe as well to stay up to date with everything happening here on the Ducks. I've got you covered, Duck fans. Always, always, always. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.